Hi, and welcome to the Trailside Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good, good. I'm going to pray real quick. Uh, you guys may have heard uh, Mikey Todd Carpenter um, has been dealing with some health stuff and was uh, rushed to the hospital this morning by his wife, not by ambulance, but um, is kind of dealing with some heart stuff. And so I haven't gotten an update, but we'll update when we can. Um, she didn't, Debbie didn't seem too panicked. They kind of knew stuff was happening. He had surgery scheduled on Tuesday, um, and uh, I'm assuming that they're checking that out right now. So um, some of you guys may have heard that and gone, what? What happened? Uh, but that's what happened. So I'm going to pray. We have a lot of sickness in our church. It's crazy the amount of texts I got this morning of, and last night of people who are sick and are unable to be here. So I'm just going to pray for that as well. And um, we'll get started with our shortened service this morning. Uh, let's pray. Father, you're good. And uh, we, Lord, we thank you that you are uh, the healing God. You are the great physician, uh, that you do not let anything fall from your hand. And I just pray uh, for Todd and for Debbie right now and for um, so many other people who are sick this morning um, and couldn't be here. Lord, I ask that you would meet them in that, that you provide healing for them because you say that you do that kind of thing, and so we trust that you do that kind of thing, and that you would be with us this morning as we talk uh, this last week about some assembly required. Uh, thank you so much for all you do. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So I want to give a precursor to what's coming because I, I, I just don't want everyone to be shocked. Um, next month. So next week, we're starting a new series called Taboo. Uh, and we're going to talk about things that are really hard. Um, it's not going to be a super easy thing. You're not going to agree with everything you hear, or maybe you will, and we'll, we're theology brothers, and that's just how that works out. But we're going to hit some of the really hard topics that I've always thought churches were maybe a little scared to, to consider and to think through plainly and honestly. Um, and it kind of has been birthed out of my own um, trying to figure out how we meet our culture and society where it is right now, uh, instead of just throwing the gospel at it and saying, like, Jesus fixes this. Uh, what does it honestly mean to walk through some of the harder things in our world? Um, we're going to talk about, uh, actually, next week is sex and what that actually should look like. Uh, we're going to talk about alcohol. We're talking about gender uh, we're talking about money, we're talking about um, drugs, and uh, what's the other one? I'm missing one that's really important. Anyways, um, but all that to say, it's not going to be a really easy conversation. Uh, you might not agree with every little thing that you hear, but what I want to do is open up some conversation, because I think something we've messed up is that we have just decided that if you're a Christian, especially in the South, that it looks like this, and that this is the answer. We've built this box, and the more that I'm uh, following Jesus and, and growing and maturing in my faith, I'm realizing that there's some bigger questions um, that deserve bigger answers rather than just throwing a verse out of context on something and saying like, oh, there, now you have your answer. There are nuances. There are gray areas. And so we're going to talk about those. Uh, and it's not going to be easy. But I think if we're not talking about things that are hard, we're probably not doing what we're called to do anyways. Right? You guys with me on that? We okay with that? So what I want you to do is I want you to, to come the next few weeks. I want you to invite people because we're going to talk about some big things. Um, we have a couple of guests who are going to come and talk because I'm just too scared to. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
No, it's because it worked out that way. Oh, racism. That's the other thing we're talking about. How did I forget that one? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to end with racism. So, no fear with that in the South. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about those things. And so, um, I really want you to invest time to be here. I know for students, spring break is kind of around that as well. But uh, we're going to talk about what it honestly looks like to, I don't know, not be a racist in the church. Um, or how do you have a drug conversation with marijuana legalization? Or, you know, what do we do with sexual identity and gender? Like, how do we actually handle that? Because that's kind of a sketchy issue to talk about. And so we're going to talk about all those things. Um, but I want you to turn to John 21. I kind of alluded to this verse last week, and I want to quickly run through it. My goal is to be done in 10 minutes. So we'll see if that happens. But I'm going to do my best to honor our uh, time today. <clears throat> so here's how today's going to go. Excuse me. <clears throat> We're going to walk through this. Um, I'm, we have one more song, and then I'm going to dismiss as normal. And we're going to give you a few minutes to go and grab coffee, uh, use the restroom if you have to. That way, if you are not someone, if you're here visiting or you're uh, not invested within the church, then we're going to give you the opportunity to go if you want to go. Or you can, um, you're welcome to stay and hear what we're going to be talking about. But uh, for those who are interested, invested, considering investing in, being a part of our church, we want to just um, talk our future talk strategy and finances and stuff like that. So um, that's how that's going to go. If that seems a little weird, I just wanted you to be aware of that. So John 21, we talked about this a little bit last week um, when uh, Peter is hanging out with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And this is what he says in verse 15. When they, being the disciples and Jesus, had resurrected Jesus, had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, then feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then tend my sheep. And in verse 17, and Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to have to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So um, my son is seven years old and uh, he's kind of in that stage where they begin thinking about what they want to be when they grow up, you know? Um, and Colin wants to do, like, nine things. So a little bit of a full plate ahead of him. But he wants to uh, be a paleontologist, which I thought was pretty cool, right? Wants to be a paleontologist. He also wants to be a Lego design master, build master. So I'm like, okay. I, I think that's kind of how, like, my parents felt if I was like, I'm going to be an artist. Uh, kind of the same way. I'm like, all right, you're going to build Legos. Cool. Um, he also wants to be uh, Batman, so that one stuck with him for a few years here. And then lately, he wants to uh, be a video game designer, which, like, I'm, okay, that's fine. 
But I, I think what Colin's missing is that maybe that's a little bit tougher than he thinks. I think he just really wants to be a video game player, um, of which it seems like many young children want that nowadays. Um, by the way, eSports, those aren't sports. Sorry. Um, if you can sit in a chair and do it, it's not a sport. But call it e-hobbies. Let's just be done with it. Um, but it got me thinking about what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I kind of had that same mentality of I want to do something great and big. I wanted to play baseball. I wanted to be a baseball player. I grew up um, watching sports all the time. I still watch sports all the time. But there's a, a common conversation that I have with friends um, where they find out that I don't know many movies. I haven't watched many movies. We've talked a little bit about this. Like I've never seen Mary Poppins, Sound of Music, that kind of stuff. And I have a mom and she loves that stuff. But um, I asked her a couple years ago, I said, yeah, why is that, that, you know, we never watch those movies? And she said, because you were always watching baseball and football. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fair. You know, I'd go after dinner, I'd go and throw the ball with my dad in the yard and hang out. And so I always, I just wanted to play baseball. Well, I got into this league uh, called the Miners, where you had other kids pitching with you. You guys, who played baseball in here? You guys with me on that, anybody? Some of you guys might remember that, Yeah. And there was this guy who I actually grew up with. His name was Heath, and he threw, like, in the mid-'80s as a 13-year-old. Um, yeah, it was scary. And Heath could throw really hard, but what separates a good pitcher from a great one is control. Control and the ability to place the ball. He couldn't do that. It literally was like someone gave him a rocket and said, fire this rocket and hope for the best. So he was throwing these balls hard. And I remember we were on the Pirates, which I should have known a team from Pittsburgh would have hurt me. but. Um, and he threw this ball, and he just hit me, hit me right, like right here in the back shoulder. And I never felt anything like that before. It felt like I got hit with a missile. And I remember that day was so hard for me that it literally wiped out my upcoming baseball career, which I had one. Because I got scared. Like, I would stand in the box, and literally I would get ready, and I was batting ninth all the time. Like, I had this beautiful swing. But I was scared, and every time the ball would come, I would close my eyes, and I struck out, like, I don't know, every game, most times I was at. From then on, for the next year and a half, when I played baseball, because I was terrified. I was so scared because that had messed me up so much, and I let that steal my dream, and I still blame Heath for that. Um, so, yeah, that sucked. But anyways, um, but no, I, I, what happened was I lost it because I lost vision of what, was, what I was able to do, because I got scared of one little thing that happened. And, and I was thinking about that and about our dreams and our calling and what we want. And what I'm realizing more and more and more as we plant this church and as we keep pushing through for the last year is that what God calls us to isn't meant to be easy. Like you're going to have moments like that where you got to get back up and, you know, to use the sports cliche, stand back in the box, right? Get back on your horse. And as I was reading and studying and praying and considering through that, the, the word that came up to me from this was Jesus' simple question to Peter right here. Right in verse 21. So remember, Jesus has been in the garden, had the Last Supper, died, resurrected. Peter denied him in between all that. And Jesus comes up and he says, do you love me more than everything else? Do you love me more than everything else? And then he asked him three times. Now think about this. Peter's been following Jesus for years. He's seen him do incredible things. He's, cruci he's seen him crucified. He's seen him resurrected. 
And Jesus says, you love me more than everything else. And what we miss here is that after his denial and after the resurrection, where do we find Peter? Where does Jesus find Peter? Anybody know? Anyone? He finds him back fishing. So Peter, who followed Jesus, who said, I would die for you, who tried to cut a guy's head off in the garden, who then denied Jesus, who then saw Jesus die, gave up, and went back to what his comfort was. And so Peter, um, Jesus, after he resurrects and comes to the disciples, he finds Peter back doing what he was doing before he followed Jesus, fishing. And I started thinking, how often do we see that in today's world? How often do we see us when, when things get hard, when we feel pressed, how often do we go back to what's safe and comfortable? How often do we take steps back and say, I don't know if it's worth it. I'm not going to go do this because I know I can do this. That's what Peter does. He goes, you know what? Like, I, I, whatever this was with Jesus is scary. Um, and now that that's happened, I'm going to go back to fish because I know I can fish. I'm a, I, I am able to do that much. And so Jesus goes back and he finds Peter fishing and he calls him back out of that. See, what happens here when Jesus reinstates Peter with these three questions is he's not just saying like, hey, do you love me? I just want to be sure. This isn't an insecure Jesus, right? Peter even says so, the third question. He says, listen, you know everything. You know that I love you. What Jesus is doing is Jesus is calling Peter out of his fishing yet again. He's calling him out of his comfort, out of his peace, out of his security. Because that's what Peter did. He ran right back to what he was able to do and what was comfortable. But I'm going to continue saying this until we all get it. Following Jesus isn't meant to be comfortable or easy. It's not. The moment it becomes comfortable and easy is the moment we're not following Jesus. It's the moment that we're fitting Jesus within our lives and hoping that it works. And so this is what he does. Jesus looks at him and he says, do you love me more than these? More than what? More than what, Lord? More than these fish? More than this safety and this security? Yeah. And then Jesus does this beautiful thing in verse 15, 16, and 17. He mirrors his walk and his call to Peter with, with a shepherd, with what a shepherd would normally do. And even more than that, how, it, how it's so different from being a fisherman. He says, do you love me? Peter says, yes, you know I do. He says, feed my lambs. Now listen, this is why that matters, because a shepherd back then would wake early in the morning before all the other animals had gotten up, which you can ask Josh Bradford who has a farm. That's really early. And he would go and find the lambs, the youngest baby sheep, and he would pick them up. He would do a welfare check, make sure they were okay, and then he would take care of them and feed them, call them by name, feed them one by one, and make sure they were taken care of. The youngest, most fragile. Then Jesus says, do you love me? Peter says, absolutely, you know I do. And he says, then, then lead my sheep. And so what a shepherd would do is he would put the lambs down and then get the grown sheep 
and he would actually lead them and walk them into the pasture. He would gather them, lead them, care for them, make sure they were there, count them, make sure he had everybody with him, and he would lead them into the place where they would eat and do things that sheep do, which I've never hung out with sheep, so you can fill in that blank, I guess. But they would lead and care for him. And then Jesus says again, Peter, do you love me? Peter is grieved, right? That's what it says. He's upset. He's frustrated. He's mad. Like, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Like, why ask me this? And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. And he asked that because the shepherd would have a very important thing to do after he led them he would have to follow through and make sure the sheep would eat because sheep are stupid, okay? Don't write me an email about saying stupid in church and animals are God's creation. I get that. But they're not smart animals. So Peter, or the shepherd rather, would take them and lead them to the place they were supposed to go, count them and make sure they were all there, and then care for them and, and make sure that they actually ate. As a, as a means of following through and caring for them. And I think what Jesus does is he, he takes Peter, who is a fisherman, who then followed Jesus, and he calls him back out of that. And he, he takes this, this rough, quick-tempered, quick-judging fisherman, and he calls him back into being a caring shepherd. Now, if you've ever fished, I have an illustrious fishing career myself. I've caught two fish my whole life, a boot, a vegetable, a stingray. Pardon me, a can of vegetables. That's legit. I, I caught a Timberland once. You can ask my wife. It was really impressive. But in my illustrious fishing career where I'd catch one fish, I was pumped, right? I felt like a little four-year-old. Like the first time Colin caught a fish, it was on this little tiny rod at Lake Greenwood, and it was this big. And he was like, whoa, it's the greatest thing ever. I was like, wow, he's caught as many fish as me. I've caught one since then. So. It's this little fish. And it was the greatest thing ever because it was this one. He accomplished his goal, his task. He was pumped about it. And then we had to take off the hook and throw it back in. And Colin did not understand that. Like, why are we, I just caught this thing. I, I just pulled it out. Why would we put it back in? That's, that's against the whole process here, right? Like, I eat it now, right? Which, honestly, I'm kind of impressed he didn't just... Anyway, that's another story. But these fishermen weren't catching one little brim, right? They were dropping huge nets and getting huge fish. And so what they would do is they would take these nets full of fish, and they put them on a sorting table, and they literally would go, no, yes, yes, no, too big, too small, da, 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 like we do, right? And what Jesus is doing when he tells Peter to care for these sheep, he's actually doing the opposite. He's saying, listen, don't, don't do that with people. You can't do that as a good shepherd. You can't treat sheep like fish. He says you've got to care for them. You've got to take care of them. You've got to pick them up. You've got to make sure they're all right. You've got to lead them to the pasture. You've got to count them, make sure they're fed. It's a process because people can't be assets. So he takes a quick judging fisherman and calls him into being a caring shepherd once again. 
his restoration is that. That he calls him back out of his comfort. And he does that with purpose. That's mirrored in one last verse as I close up this morning. I did okay. Matthew 16, 24, this is what Jesus says. He begins by foretelling his death and saying what's going to happen to him. And then he tells his disciples this in verse 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, these, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So church, my question is, are you ready to deny yourself? Are you ready to be called out of comfort? Are you willing to take those steps? It's not easy. Like I get it. You, just you being here is not easy. I've said it a thousand times. We are not a church of comfort. But we want to be a church of ministry and of hope and of calling humble fishermen to be caring shepherds. So what is Jesus calling you to? And what is he calling us to? Let's pray. Father, you're good and I love you. And I thank you that you watch out for us. I thank you that you haven't forgotten us and that you call us out of our comforts. Because you do. That we're of value more than a fish being hoisted up in a net. But that when you see us, you see us as sheep as things which need to be cared for, and that you've called people to that, to be people who care for others. To teach and lead. To have hearts that are burdened for the people around them. Lord, you've called us to that, and I just ask that you would bless us in that. That we would trust you in that. And so Jesus, as we wrap up service today and move into the family time here, as we get ready to worship one last time, I just, I just ask that you would melt our hearts for the people around us. That church wouldn't just be church, but it would be a calling. And Lord, whatever it is that we're holding on to, that you're calling us into, that we would release that. That we would give that back to you. Because you don't call us to be fishermen. You call us to be fishers of men. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person, or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon.